Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Boston Sanctuary since 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the Boston metropolitan area and beyond. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. We're located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets in downtown Boston, Massachusetts. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. There is a story from the Sufi tradition of Moses and the shepherd. In this narrative poem authored by 13th century Persian writer Rumi, Moses is on a walk when he overhears a shepherd at prayer. The shepherd is talking to God with great devotion, saying, where are you? So your needs I serve. Mend your shoes, your hair comb, curl, and curve. Wash your clothes, kill your lice, pick your nits, bring you milk while your majesty sits. Moses hears the shepherd praying on and on in this manner, and he approaches him in anger, admonishing the shepherd for praying the wrong way. Moses accuses the shepherd of blasphemy for imagining that God has the same ordinary needs as people. Moses tells the shepherd that he has polluted God's name with this base prayer, probably invoking God's anger. And then Moses runs off into the desert, crying. Out in the desert, God's voice comes to Moses. God is indeed irate, but not with the shepherd. God has some words to say to Moses. The shepherd's devotional prayer was a prayer of love. And in rejecting the shepherd's prayer, Moses had severed the shepherd's relationship with God. In the story, Rumi writes, God says, to each I have given a unique face and a way to express and embrace. God tells Moses that the words aren't what matters, but rather, the fire of love that sets your heart and soul ablaze. Thus admonished, Moses runs off again, seeking the shepherd. When he finds the shepherd, Moses says, seek no ceremony, system, or rule. To deny your aching heart will be so cruel. When your soul is looking above, it can only increase in love. The figure of Moses is considered a great prophet in the Jewish, Christian, and Islamic traditions, renowned for bringing down the law of God from Mount Sinai so that God's people will know how God wishes them to live and to worship. So in this story, the story of Moses and the shepherd, Rumi kind of turns this idea on its head. He challenges the status quo 
the idea that there is a right way to be in relationship with God, that there is a right way to love. The shepherd had loved God and was expressing his love in the ways that he knew how, through the words that resonated with his experience, through the images that reflected his understanding of care and devotion. Now, as Unitarian Universalists, we look to many sources for truth and wisdom. We have many different theologies. Some believe in God and theism, some don't. We draw from earth-centered traditions, humanism, science, our Jewish and Christian heritages, world religions, inspirational figures throughout history, and perhaps most of all, from our own direct experience of that transcending mystery and wonder. The late Unitarian Universalist minister, Reverend Forrest Church, uses a metaphor to describe our faith tradition. The metaphor of a cathedral of the world. In this cathedral, light, the same light, shines from many windows, innumerable windows. This is the light of truth with a capital T that we perceive as truths with a lowercase t. Reverend Church describes how each window in its own way is beautiful. Some are abstract, others representational, some dark and meditative, others dazzling and bright. Church continues, each tells a story about the creation of the world, the meaning of history, the purpose of life, the nature of humankind, the mystery of death. In each window, Church says, the light and darkness mingle in ways that suggest meaning for those whose angle is tilted in a particular direction. Each of us experiences the wonder of the cathedral of the world in our own way. Each of us sees the truths of life dancing through prisms of light that never stay still. And none of us grasp the mystery of life and death in full. So what do you see in the cathedral of the world? What meanings do you draw from the patterns of light that illumine the places that you stand now and the places you have stood before? How do you understand and interpret the truths that you experience? Rumi's story of Moses and the shepherd and Rabbi Sandy Eisenberg Sasso's story in God's name remind us that there are many ways to reach out to the sacred. And different people will have different ways 
to name their relationship to that fire of love that sets your hearts and soul ablaze. Words alone cannot capture and hold the sacred. Yet language, language is one of the tools that we have for understanding that fire of love, for embracing the truths of love, of life, for expressing our experience of that transcending mystery and wonder. About a decade ago, Unitarian Universalists began talking a lot about language, about a language of faith, a language of reverence. The conversation began with humanist minister, Reverend David Bumbaugh, who called for a humanist vocabulary of reverence that would embrace with wonder and awe our human story as part of the story of the universe. He writes, the universe itself is continually incarnating itself in microbes and maples, in hummingbirds and human beings, constantly inviting us to tease out the revelation contained in the stars and atoms of every living thing. He writes, we are intimately connected to every living thing. Wherever we are, the universe is. For Reverend Bumball, the light of truth shines through the many windows of science. His experience of the universe story is the pattern of light that sets his soul ablaze. A humanist vocabulary of reverence helps him understand and celebrate the universe story as a sacred story, a holy story, a religious story. So what language do you use to honor your story, your experience as a religious story? What language do you use to understand how you are in relationship to every living thing? Reverend William Sinkford, former president of the Unitarian Universalist Association, describes a transformative experience that guided him to his language of reverence, one different than Reverend Bumbaugh's. Reverend Sinkford writes, it happened in the midst of a crisis. My son, Billy, then 15 years old, had overdosed on drugs, and it was unclear whether he would live. As I sat with him in the hospital, I found myself praying. First, the selfish prayers for forgiveness for the time not made, for too many trips, for many things unsaid and sadly, for a few things that never should have passed my lips. But as the night darkened, I finally found the pure prayer, 
the prayer that asked that my son would live. And late in the evening, I felt the hands of a loving universe reaching out, the hands of God, the spirit of life, the name was unimportant. I knew that those hands would be there to hold me, whatever the morning brought. And I knew, though I cannot tell you how, that those hands were holding my son as well. I knew that I did not have to walk the path alone, that there is a love that has never broken faith with us and never will. What are the images that hold you? What are the experiences that remind you that you are loved? For Reverend Sinkford, his language of reverence was born out of an experience of that transcending mystery and wonder, an experience that gave him the gift of a powerful image, loving hands, that would hold him whatever the morning brought. An experience that manifested in a moment of prayer. Prayer is a way for us to be in relationship with the holy. Unitarian Universalist minister Laurel Hallman describes prayer as a language of yearning as an opportunity to name our relationship with life in relational words, in poetry, in metaphor. Prayer is personal. So what are the words and metaphors that you use to express your yearnings, perhaps in prayer? perhaps in another way. The yearning that a child will live through the night, the yearning to express gratitude for the wonders of the universe, the yearning to love and be loved. Now this is not a sermon about what is scientifically, theologically, or philosophically true, though those Questions of science, theology, and philosophy are indeed parts of the religious and spiritual life. This sermon is an invitation to cultivate your religious imagination as a resource to spiritual growth, to embrace the images, the metaphors, the words that resonate with you with your experiences of wonder. What words do we utter in the cathedral of the world? What words do we use to honor our relationship with the spark of the universe, which lives within and beyond ourselves? As a religiously pluralistic tradition, we don't have one sacred text that we 
claim as the source of religious authority. But if you look in your pew, in your pews, you will notice a book or two, our hymnals, our hymnals that hold the songs and the readings that we commonly use in our worship services. And the texts in these books use a myriad of words to describe wonder and address the holy. These words can bring us into relationship with that which is within and beyond ourselves. We've sung some of them this morning, and there are many, many more. Spirit of life, transforming grace, love eternal, shaper of all things, font of blessing, spirit growing in all, star of truth, circle of peace, boundless hearts and ever-spinning universe. These words are words of yearning, words that can help us speak in a spirit of prayer. Reverend Hallman writes, a word, especially one of depth and experience, has many associations. And our job is to be open to those associations. They take us deeper than we can think because we are not observers. We are participating in the conversation with our very lives. So how do we begin these conversations? What words do we call out and what images and associations do those words invoke in us? Do we begin with Gaia, goddess, God? Do we begin with the name of a saint or a bodhisattva? Do we begin with a formal salutation or perhaps with a friendly nickname, Dear Theo. Dear Theo, this is one of the ways that I make the concept of Theos, the Greek word for God, just a little bit more friendly, a little bit more approachable. Dear Theo, dear friend, The words we choose will reflect our own experience and resonate with the truths that we see in the cathedral of the world. Our words of wonder bring us into relationship with the universe, cultivating our religious imagination, invites us to draw upon the depth of our past experience in order to open ourselves to the possibilities of the present. Words uttered in the spirit of prayer invite us to pay attention to the yearning of our souls to increase in love. Poet Mary Oliver writes, it doesn't have to be a blue iris. It could be weeds in a vacant lot. 
or a few small stones. Just pay attention. Then patch a few words together and don't try to make them elaborate. This isn't a contest, but a doorway into thanks and a silence in which another voice may speak. Friends on the journey, may you take refuge in the images of the sacred that comfort you, hold you, inspire you. May your religious imagination deepen your relationship with all beings. May you speak words of awe and gratitude that honor your experience of wonder. May you know that you are loved. May you share that love with others. Amen and blessed be.